You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about creating more free time in our lives and our businesses. So today's guest is Jenny Blake, and Jenny is the award-winning author of the book Free Time, which I read earlier this year and was a catalyst to me asking her to be on the show. She's also the author of Pivot and Life After Challenge, and she also hosts the podcast Free Time and Pivot. And hot off the press, Free Time is just newly nominated for a Webby Award. So very exciting. And congratulations to Jenny. Um, One of the reasons I wanted to bring her on the show was because, like I mentioned, I finished reading Free Time earlier this year. And we have very similar philosophies when it comes to doing the work we love and keeping our teams, as Jenny puts it, delightfully tiny, uh, which is a phrase that I'm going to uh, use all the time and make sure I credit back to her at every single opportunity. Um, So I cannot wait to get into today's conversation on creating more free time because I don't know a single entrepreneur who wouldn't find that to be a welcome change. So welcome to Iloma, Jenny. Yay. Thank you so much, Kylie. It's amazing to discover kindred spirits in operational efficiency and setting time free. So I'm delighted to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. So you have a couple books under your belt, right? You've you've published Pivot specifically, and then Free Time is your most recent book. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the motivation behind both of these books? All three of my books came from periods of going through tremendous challenge, particularly where I felt alone. I felt like everyone else had had things figured out and there was something wrong with me. Now, you know, I'm 18 years into platform building. I've gotten a little clearer and more self-aware that I I actually think being a highly sensitive person does make me feel like I'm often in a, in a raft or a paddle boat in the ocean while everyone else is in a cruise liner. So I end up reading, gobbling up self-help and business books, consuming everything I can. (laughs) And if I can devise some sort of simpler process to help other people move through it. That is what I live for. And usually if I've had to read a hundred books, why isn't there one that would have just told me what to do a little more clearly? Uh, And then in terms of free time, I also want to help save business owners time of having to just document really easeful ways to work, to set everybody's time free, not just the owner, but everybody who's a part of it and do it in a way that's heart-based and just a little different than most other business books in the space. Almost every other systems book in business is written by a man. So I'll be happy to oh, have a, an entrance that's <laughs> a little more colorful, a little more fun, not yeah. using a bunch of war metaphors. So there's free time. Oh my God. Yeah, so true. I'm so not, my husband's obsessed with war, with World War II. And like, I'm just, it's not my jam, man. I could go without the war metaphors. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. A lot of that in the business world. It's like conquer, you know, even just the idea of a bullet list or you have to (laughs) fire cannonballs before, or you fire something before the cannonballs. And there's just like so many metaphors like this, or that are super competitive or that assume that the only path for a business is to try to grow as big as possible or as fast as possible. And I'm just not interested in that. I'm interested Same. in a very different type of business. Same. And I have to say, Jenny, that's one of the things that I appreciated so much about your book. And we talked about this briefly ahead of time, but I started reading your book 
And I realized that we had such aligned philosophies that I paused reading it for a second because I was like, oh no, I don't want anyone to think that I read Jenny's book and I'm sealing her things. Then I gained the momentum and I finished it. And I was like, no, 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 they're not the same, but they are very aligned. So I, I so appreciate that because I too, I'm in a similar boat. I've read so many books and I hit a point in my journey in 2021 where I was like, I don't want to be scaling. I want to downsize. I want to streamline this. And so reading free time, I was like, oh, there are other people out here who are thinking along the same path. So I love this. I love, I love this. Me too. And just so you know, I had that feeling so many times when I was doing the research <laughs> for free time and writing it where, yes, there was something that maybe I had been saying or teaching for many years. But if someone else says it publicly first, or they say it in a more loud way, they yeah. get the credit. And then I, it looks like, oh, I'm copying them, but yep. it's just kind of how it is. And of course, everyone says we're all pulling from the same collective consciousness pool of knowledge anyway, because who even knows where, what we think are our original ideas. Sometimes I realize, oh my goodness, I read one sentence in one book five years ago that planted that seed that I then mm -hmm. later thought was my original idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all yeah. hodgepodge anyway. I find myself doing that all the time. I'm like, wait, should I be attributing this to somebody? Is this, is this my idea? Is this somebody else's? So it's just like, yeah, just that like sense of awareness, I think is really good. Um, okay. So you said that the the premise for writing each of your books was you went through a period of time where you felt really alone and you were going through some significant challenges. So specifically with free time, what was the catalyst there? There were a couple of things. There's a story. I mean, I opened the book talking about burn it all down mode, where there are days that yep. you just wonder, should I just... Should I just shut this whole thing down? You know, as a business owner, it's so easy to reach that point of feeling frustrated or despondent or burned out. And it's, there's so much pressure. I'm the breadwinner in my family. So as breadwinner and the business owner, I feel sometimes there's so much on my shoulders. There's so much I'm responsible for. Yeah. And, and yet there are always going to be ups and downs in business building. And so specifically with free time, there was a situation that actually happened in 2019 where a corporate client that I had done about $80,000 of work for was months late in paying the invoice. Ooh. It got to the point where it was five months late. And I had been counting on that um, as a prepayment. Yes. Before yeah. starting the work and people might say, oh, well, obviously it's on me as a business owner, not to rely on any one client, but I hadn't quite built my business to that point where $80,000 was not going to be significant, where I wasn't going to count on that for the next month's mortgage and the one after that and the one after that. But month after month, because it was such a big, slow moving conglomerate type company, the money never came. And it got to the point where I became so angry. Yeah. This is unacceptable. I never want to rely on one check like this ever again. And I had already gone through many waves and phases of business building where I was trying to create more scale. Mm -hmm. Because when my first book came out, I was the bottleneck a hundred percent, no matter how much I marketed life after college, if people wanted to work with me as a result of reading it, they'd have to hire me for a keynote speech or hire me as their coach. And mm -hmm. so it was really scary when I needed a break, I needed to take a step back from the business and recharge all the income was going to stop. Yep. So leading up to free time, um, one of the things was. Also, my right-hand woman, Marisol, who had worked with me for five years in my business, she was ready to move on. She's now co-founder of her own company, a wonderful brand strategy. They did the cover for free time. They're called nice. Go Together Agency. And she was leaving. 
we realized we had so much, we had documented a lot, but Marisol had a lot in her mind. And so did I, in order for us to welcome a new person onto the team, I started creating a Google doc, how we work just, it was more principles. It wasn't even specific SOPs or process docs. It was just, here's how I think, here's how I work. And I thought it was going to be a one page Google doc with a little bullet list, but then I'd be walking or in the shower and I would think of all these things to add, to let somebody know, how do we make decisions? How do we correspond with customers and clients? It became this five, six, seven, eight page Google doc that I turned into a one hour workshop for my private BFF community. Then that became a mini course called free up founder time that had like 15 audio lessons. And then that became this book because at each step of kind of doing this, thinking it was just for me and then testing it with my community, I realized how helpful it was to convey the, the principles behind working, but also at some point giving myself permission to put put myself out there. I never gave myself permission really to talk about business publicly because I thought, what do I know? I don't have a seven figure business. I'm not, I I never sold a business. I don't have these typical markers of success, but I do have free time and I do have a love of systems building and efficiency. So finally with the book, I gave myself permission to say, yes, I can write a business book. I do have things to share that I've been sharing behind the scenes in my community for seven years. It's time. That's amazing. And thank you for walking us through that journey. Um, because I know right now, even as I'm listening to you, that resonates so much with me. I, I'm always taking notes in like my notes app on my phone or in Google docs, when I'm in the shower or walking or like before bed or like random, you know, doing dishes kind of thing. And so that's encouraging and, you know, words of advice, anybody listening, like the things that are popping into your head are of value. And if we just listen to those, something, maybe a book someday might be a byproduct of that. So I think that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jenny. I love how you put it. It's so true. Like you never know what little nugget download or thought is going to become an entire book. Yeah, it's true. true. And I I also appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for being vulnerable and saying like, you know, I had essentially these imposter syndrome markers where I was like, why should I be writing a book? I think we all feel that way in a lot of different ways because so often society has said like, well, you have to build this big business. You have to make seven figures or more in revenue. You have to have sold a business, like all these things. But the reality is, I think, what was it? There's a stat I just read that um, only 20% of small businesses employ people, period. Like 80% of them are solopreneurs and 16% employ like one to 19 people. So that's 4% of small business owners employ more than 20 people. Yeah. 25 million are non-employer businesses in the US. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, sure, that's, we're talking about people versus revenue, but still it's like, there's a, the majority of us out there are small businesses. And so, but we're running them successfully and there are a lot of things to be said. So I thank you for putting that out there. And uh, I think that's a good reminder for all of us. Sure. And yeah, I feel like um, part of the message of free time and exactly what you're saying is you don't even have to aspire to want to have employees. I remember yeah. when I was leaving Google, I was thinking, do I, I don't even want to start a consulting business where I have a hundred employees. I don't want that. I didn't like being a manager at Google. I don't even love being a manager today, 12 years in. Yeah. It's something I do. And no matter how many leadership books I read or management or feedback, whatever it is, if I'm being truly honest, 
It's not my zone of genius. I'm okay at it. I'm really good at designing systems. I'm really good at working efficiently with people. I'm even really good at teaching them how to engage with smarter systems. Mm -hmm. But the day-to-day of managing people, it's just not my jam. Like I love being alone. I like doing things in my own head and kind of creating things from scratch. So a lot of what I teach and write in free time is how do you reduce the amount of admin and infrastructure and overhead. I call it the burdensome bees, getting bored, bottleneck, burnt out, or buried by bureaucracy. How Ooh, do we continue? That's good. Yeah. How do we continue stripping those away through smarter systems so that yeah. everybody can work less, including your team, especially if they're super part-time? Which yeah. like I, I just I don't even need a full-time person. I don't work full-time in my business. I don't, I don't need someone else working full-time. There's not enough for them to do. And I definitely don't want them filling time. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the opposite of efficiency, right? If you're looking for an opportunity to set aside time to work on you and your business this fall, save the dates October 18th through the 20th to join us in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin for our three-day defining success retreat. This will be the third retreat we've hosted and guaranteed to be the best one yet. Women have flown in from all over the country to join us for these retreats to gain clarity on who they are, what they want, and then align their businesses to make everything happen. We have three guest speakers in addition to myself, and I guarantee you that we can save you years and hundreds of thousands of dollars in investments you would have otherwise made or lost on missed opportunities over the course of these three days. For more information, check out rixretreat.com. And to learn more about our other Defining Success offerings, visit rixsuccess.com. So, okay, Jenny, you opened this up lovely. So why don't you share a couple of tips with with listeners right now? So you don't work full-time in your business, but you're doing all the things that you want to be doing and you don't have any full-time employees. So what are some of the systems and processes you've put into place that have allowed you the opportunity to make this a reality. And I mean, and you're doing well for yourself. You know, it's not like you're living paycheck to paycheck. So how how are you making this happen? One of the shifts that I was describing earlier was trying to critically examine my business model and make sure that every single revenue stream was scalable and ideally recurring. So I'll give you some examples. When I was doing one-on-one coaching, that meant that instead of just me being the coach, I t- I trained a team of pivot coaches um, be- right. so that as I marketed the book Pivot, people could, yes, they could get pivot coaching, but it didn't have to be me. And I split the revenue with those coaches. They keep 60%. I keep 40%. When it was just me or now with the team, we bill on monthly retainer. So every single client is billed at the first of the month. The It's good until canceled. There's no minimums. There's no number of months of the contract. That's another way of creating recurring revenue that's more predictable than billing clients ad hoc whenever they start, however many months your package is. Yeah. And even in terms of calendar design, when I was coaching, I got to the point where I was only coaching people on A and C weeks of the month on Thursdays between say 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Period. Mm -hmm. That's it. That meant that I could have four clients at a time and all of that structure enabled me to free my time up for other things. I licensed the Pivot IP to companies. They pay on an annual basis to license the material. With free time, I have a private community for small business owners, BFF, that's billed monthly. And that's my way of, like, I don't, 
I don't do one-on-one coaching anymore, but the community Mm -hmm. is a way that people can come together, share best practices, give and receive feedback. It's not all relying on me. And Mm -hmm. I think it's much better and more valuable that way. Yeah. In all these cases, it's about looking at how do I influence these revenue streams, but not hold them up so that if, whether I have one licensing client or 10 or a hundred, it works the same. Whether we have 10 pivot coaching clients, a hundred or a thousand, the structure is all there and it works. Whether the BFF community has a hundred members, a thousand, a hundred thousand, it all still works. And of course, at Mm -hmm. some point you might need different levels of customer support or volume can increase at a certain point, but designing the business model upfront is really important. And then the other thing I would say beyond recurring and scalable is starting things even in a scrappy way, but over time, like almost uh, the the whole parable of Michelangelo chipping away at the marbles to see the angel inside, take podcasting. I've been doing it for eight years. I have two shows now, but the absolute game changer that changed everything was when I finally went pro by hiring a whole production team. Mm-hmm. So I work with One Stone Creative. Now, only now, as of, I want to say a year ago, do I have it where all I do is show up and do the interview. I do a little guest prep, but that's it. Mm-hmm. They help with every other step of the process. And the most important piece of that is that cognitively, they own that the episodes go live at the correct day and time. Yep. I produce 12 a month and they know not to let me hold anything up. If I haven't reviewed show notes, publish it anyway. And if there's a typo or something I don't like, it's on me. Whereas before, even when I was delegating to subcontractors for show notes set up or audio editing, I was still cognitively in charge of the mm-hmm. life of an episode. And that gets very complex because mm-hmm. every episode is like 50 sub steps in itself. And yep. so I would hold it up. Things wouldn't go out on time. Sometimes the show would stop for months at a time. And that's because I was the limiting factor. So I think over time, the goal is for every area of the business, really look at the stuff that you love and want to do and are great at doing. And then sometimes you have to take that big leap and invest more than you think or more than you're ready for Mm -hmm. to offload it to somebody who knows what they're doing more than you. That's also very important. Absolutely. Oh, I I love that as an example. Um, This podcast just recently turned one year old and we do one a week. Um, But that was something that we realized um, quite quite right away, quite right away, right, right away. I was like, I want to do a podcast, but I have no idea how to do this. And I can't, this isn't worth my time to figure it out. So we, we did start working with somebody and it's, it is a game changer, man. It's totally a game changer. But what I love so much about what you just said is you called to, um, to the forefront, the cognitive bandwidth that is required for all that. And I think that's such an important thing to keep in mind. So for everybody listening, like Yes, it's one thing to delegate, but it's another thing to cognitively remove that that uh, burden, that obstacle that you might be holding. So I, I think that's such a great call out. Um, Jenny, anything else in terms of like the keys to success, the secret sauce to creating free time? I mean, I know we're like just scratching the surface yeah, here, but it's well, the good news is it's all documented. It's all in the book and on the yep. podcast. I would say that a um, <laughs> a low-hanging fruit, but I did one solo episode on the low-hanging watermelon, as in it, the fruit <laughs> is so big, it's staring you in the face. I think so many of us, we have we all have room to be so much more intentional about calendar design. Oh, what yeah. I mean by that is be aggressive about 
not just blocking off these little windows for yourself, but I mean, really putting up like uh, bumpers at a bowling alley, like be super intentional with where everything goes. What I explained with my coaching sessions, I mean, look at the difference between thinking that you need to have coach clients at whatever time is best for them, any day of the week, any time between factory setting standards of nine to 5 mm-hmm. p.m. But are you as good of a coach at 10 a.m. as you are at 4.30 p.m.? I certainly wouldn't be. I'm a morning person. Right. Yeah. And if someone's getting me at 3 p.m., I can't even remember basic words. That happened to me <laughs> yesterday. I was podcasting at a slightly later time than than usual. And I was just having brain freezes. I was. It was like only 1.30 in the afternoon, this person was on the West Coast and I was forgetting my words. I was forgetting what <laughs> question I wanted to ask next. It was like, I'm a much worse podcaster at in the afternoon than I am in the morning. Yeah. Good to know. I'm way worse at podcasting in the heat of summer. I live in New York City when it's hot and humid. You can't have fans on because you don't want background noise. Yeah. Than I am too. in the winter when my teeth are chattering. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to like modulate because every summer I forget. I'm going to have to really be intentional like two months before the summer starts, block different times out to account for the weather as crazy as that sounds that is- or do my interviews in a studio like there are solutions but you need to think of them in advance based on your energy based on the time of day the season all of it and the last thing i'll say with calendar design whatever you figure out this year even if it's too late the time has come and gone and you, you kind of screwed it up set it up on a recurring basis starting the following week month year so like Oh, you like to block off the day after a national holiday because who wants to go back to work after a three-day weekend? Great. Set it and make it annually recurring indefinitely. That's a great call. Yeah. I love that. I love, I love the structure. And I think that's yeah, so important. And I know there's so much more about that in the book. Um, one of the things I I also wanted to touch on, and we we talked about this a little bit, but I love your phrase, delightfully tiny teams. Um, that was something that really resonated with me as, you know, I went through a portion of time where I felt like I needed to build and I needed to build more people. And then I realized I don't want to manage people, but there are a few people that are like, I don't want to do this alone. And I wanted to keep it tiny, but I loved your phrase, delightfully tiny team. So what's important about delightfully tiny teams and the significance of this size in running a business that promotes free time? Well, a lot of the research on team size mainly points to effectiveness, aka productivity. So at Mm -hmm. what size team do people communicate the best so they can produce the most? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is around seven. And teams over 10 tend to get kind of unhappy. <laughs> There's just too much complexity, too mm-hmm. many nodes of communication. But even that research does not account for the manager's happiness. How happy are you as a manager, depending what team size you have? And it mm-hmm. also doesn't account for what the business needs necessarily, especially when you're talking about delightfully tiny companies like ours, mm-hmm. who, who kind of want to stay delightfully tiny, even mm-hmm. if the revenue streams are scalable you know for sure, oh, I don't want a big team. And sometimes you don't know till you do it, even with contractors. So when free time, the book was coming out, ironically or perfectly, my team expanded to the biggest it had ever been in terms of a network of contractors and people Mm -hmm. on retainer. And I was miserable. I hated it. And I was like, well, this proves my point. You know, for a second there, I felt like a fraud. I go, oh my gosh, I can't even handle this level of team or complexity. But then I just kind of got real with myself. Like, 
I need to cut this way back. So I, I, I really let not let everyone go because we know we, we, we all knew we were working for the launch and it was this big sprint. So it's not like, Oh, people were shocked. They were all contractors and specialists. We were here to launch this book. And a month later, I then reduced the team size to one of the smallest it had ever been. And I was mm. so much happier. This mm-hmm. is the Goldilocks of team size. Only you can know if you're the owner and short of hiring a COO or an integrator in rocket fuel parlance, mm-hmm. short of hiring someone who's going to then manage all the rest. Like if you have a COO, fine, you could have 10 employees. They all report to the COO and it's still just you and the COO. That's still a delightfully tiny core team. Sure. I personally don't want the pressure of even a trickle down of 10 people that I'm taking care of or having to like meet a certain standard for, I want to be able to scale back revenue or have an investment year. Like I did after free time came out where Mm -hmm. I purposefully go into the red financially in order to bet big on the next direction. I don't want to worry about 10 people on the payroll, even contractors. So that's the Goldilocks of team size. It's you count in a delightfully tiny team and business. You count your joy matters of what you enjoy. And to know that, I I don't think, I think when it's just one, there's a saying one is the dangerous number in business because it means you're fragile. So if it's just you, and you don't even have a VA, that's tricky. You're not really relieving any pressure because if you get sick or you need a break or you want to go on vacation, you know, deep down, even if you try to put your phone away, you know that things are piling up and waiting Mm -hmm. only on you and you kind of get punished when you come back. So I do think, I really do encourage you to have at least one other person working in the business. And ideally, whatever the big methods of public original thinking, like, yes, get support from specialists who can help you look and sound your best as you put yourself forward in the world. Yeah, Uh, I second every single thing Mm -hmm. you just said. Absolutely. And I, and I know like that might not be what everybody wants, but I think, uh, I think the more we, uh, normalize the conversation of having tiny teams, intentionally tiny teams, um, maybe that will be my, my phrase. Uh, you, yours are delightfully tiny. Mine might be intentionally tiny. We'll see. They're tiny teams, uh, delightful and intentional. Um, but I, I think the more we normalize that, the more people will f- hopefully feel like that burden to build a huge team is not the only way. I am so excited to announce the launch of our Defining Success Mastermind program. This is a 12-month program that will meet once a month virtually for two hours. You'll be led by a seasoned business expert with a guest speaker each month based on that month's topic. We'll also be placing people into mastermind groups quite strategically to ensure you're properly matched with others having similar challenges or in similar places in their business. The value of this program is estimated to be over $25,000, but we're bringing it to you for just $500 a month. We'll be launching new groups twice a year, once in July and again in January with application cutoff dates at the end of May and the end of November. So don't miss out. Apply today at rixmastermind.com. So we talked a little bit about how you've put into place the revenue streams, et cetera, that are scalable, um, that don't have that aren't entirely reliant on you. One question I just have for you, when people come and they're like, well, I want to work with you, Jenny, how do you manage the conversation when you're like, well, I don't do one-on-one like coaching or consulting, et cetera, anymore. Like, how do you manage that conversation? 
That's exactly as you said. Um, and th- it's been trickier when it was past clients coming to me or mm-hmm. friends. That's harder because I feel bad. And I know that, yeah, there would just be, there just came a point. If, if it was truly someone that I'd worked with for a long time, I wouldn't mind doing a one-off session. Um, but yeah, for everyone else, I, I stopped finding it difficult. I just really, yeah, I, I don't know why I think because I got so clear, but yeah. I also knew that for me running the business, there's so much on my mind. There's so much I'm trying to do that I wasn't even going to be the best coach for them at a certain point. So there came a shift where I realized they genuinely will be in better hands with somebody who loves coaching. It's their main thing. That coach is happy to have referrals. They don't want to be out front building a big business. And so there, there came a point, especially on the pivot side, where I'm like, they're genuinely just in better hands with these other coaches. Mm -hmm. And so I also have been intentional with the positioning on both websites. It doesn't really revolve around me. It's about the ideas. And so, yeah, yeah, of course my picture's on there. People want to know who the hell, who's Jenny Blake. Otherwise it gets a little creepy, but you will not see me on every page of the website, really just one or two places in the about. And the rest is focused on the brand itself. And so I'm very, very clear. Pivot is a brand. Free time is a brand. I don't, I am not an influencer. I don't want anybody following me or because what I look like, because of how my life is. And I get that, of course, that's even, it's in free time. And it's one of the things people have seemed to resonate with most is just hearing about my day or my time, my revenue. But at the end of it, it's like, if you want help implementing the free time framework in your business, there's even things like the dashboard, which is a, that's a scalable kind of software product in a sense on my end, it's a big built out notion done for you dashboard for the business. That's a way of saying here, I already did it for you. It's like, Mm -hmm. and, and so that's what I'm, I don't know. This is a long winding answer to your question of just why I don't find it that hard. Yeah. But I just feel that I know they're in better hands and I know personally, I don't have the energy anymore. I did coaching for since 2008 and for a long, long time, almost a decade, it was the most consistent, important income in my business. It was the bridge that got me from corporate to independent, Mm -hmm. but there reached a point where every hour I, I stopped wanting to spend my time in private or behind a paywall, meaning, oh, I'm doing all this great work, but it's in a private coaching session. And I keep that uber confidential or, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm leading all these great workshops, but they're for my private BFF community. And only 50 to hundred people are going to experience it. I Mm -hmm. started to really scale back things that were happening behind the scenes. Now they can be Mm -hmm. great for giving you ideas and templates and stories to share publicly. There's definitely a lot of value beyond the intrinsic joy of helping people, you know, which is, which is always there. But, but that's why I love the podcast because I feel like I could just, people ask me all the time, like, should I get a traditional publisher or should I self-publish? Great. Let me record a podcast episode. That hour of my time can now be listened to thousands of times. I don't need to keep answering the question Mm -hmm. on a one-off basis or behind the scenes or in a pick your brain phone call. It's out there. This asset now exists in the form of a podcast episode. That's how I want to spend my time. One to many. No, I think that's such a good call. And what I'm hearing you say is uh, you shifted your mindset and you also did all of the work in such great detail that it was just a click away to answer these questions. So like, I think that also just goes back to 
prove how the, the amazing setup of systems that you've created, you know, you have preemptively uh, thought through all of the questions that people might ask anyway, and you've created the answers for them. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a big call out to everything that you've done. Well, thank you. Thanks for yeah. saying that. Yeah. I think it's, <laughs> well, it's also, a lot of work. It's also kind of thinking about positioning and just evolving over time, but, but I don't know. I feel like the coaching industry exploded. Suddenly everybody is a coach and I just yeah. lost interest in being one of so many. <laughs> like if I'm going to hang my hat on a professional identity, the two that I chose that you shared in the intro are author and podcaster. Those are the things that, and that's one to many as well, because the yeah. book, that's kind of my content flywheel of just the book can lead to the podcast, can lead to the community and they all support each other. And those mm-hmm. have not, I mean, maybe infinite, but we talked about those 25 million non-employer businesses. I feel like, okay, maybe at least 1 million of those are heart-based and resonate with principles like intuition yeah. and serendipity. And so that's where I want my effort to go of, of like, that's the identity. Those are the two that bring me the most joy now. Yeah. You see yeah. coaching and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to just sunset that piece. But good for you for like, we all evolve and good for you for mm-hmm. understanding that. So that being said, like, what are you working on now that you are super excited about? Now it's growing what I have. I, I love, I, I'm a builder. I love creating things. It's incredible to have yep. a, a little phrase, like free time drop into my mind, speaking of the downloads, and then to see what it can become a whole book and brand and podcast and business. And mm-hmm. I freaking love that. And I told myself turning the corner into 2023, I'm not allowed to create anything new, nothing new, not a book, not a podcast, not a course, nothing. It's time to grow what exists. I have two skis in my business, pivot and free time. Life after college kind of folds into pivot because it's a form of navigating what's next. Sure. With these two skis, the revenue streams are set up. I don't need to build anything new. That's my comfort zone. Now I need to just keep getting the word out and growing what already exists. So you can hear the kind of passion in my voice is because I'm being strict with myself. Yes. No new things. It's so easy to just jump to creating new things and then not get what does exist enough momentum to grow. It's like the, the marketing effort, which is not my favorite aspect of anything, is the water that the plants need to grow. I need to water the plants. And with a yeah. book in particular, I do think it takes years, years of, of dedicated effort to try to get at any sort of tipping point. And even tipping point, Malcolm Gladwell took two yep. years to reach a tipping point. Oh, so wow. I mean, proof in point that like, don't, don't leave something behind too soon and too early. And it's easy to do because there's yeah. waves, there's dips where it's like, <laughs> nothing's happening. This has no pulse anymore. Nobody's reaching out, you know, for interviews. I'm happy to be doing this one. But it's just like, there, there, there are lulls where it's like, oh, I'm so tired. Okay, yeah. take a break, regroup, get back, back at out. it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for saying that. I think we are very kindred spirits. I too love to build. And I've told myself this is a building year and next year I'm not allowed to create anything new. So thank you for saying that. Um, Jenny, you have, uh, you're really such an inspiration. Thank you for being so honest and being vulnerable and saying things that not many other people are willing to say. Thank you very much for that. Um, My next question for you is what impact do you want to make on the world or what legacy do you want to leave? Oh, well, thank you for the kind words. Truly to help set people's time free. I feel that 
time is, as I say in the book, so much more precious than money. It is so much more than that. Time is life. It is our life. And Mm -hmm. if I can help anybody, whether it's listening to this episode, set an hour free or an hour weekly indefinitely into the future, what a gift, because now you have that hour back and you can either Mm -hmm. spend it with yourself. You can spend it with your loved ones. You can do more of your best work. To me, that is the ultimate gift is just simple ways that aren't about manipulating time or being more efficient in our time, being more productive, going for like peak performance. No, let's just set it all free. What if we could just drop it, like do less, be happier, just unhook from all that churn, uh, churn and burn culture. And that's, that's the impact that I am so honored to have. And I, it's like the greatest feeling in the world when somebody writes and says a change that they've made and the time that they've gotten back as a result. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. My last question, this is what I end every, every podcast episode with what is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Wow. That's such a good one. Just a a big doozy out there. Lately, it's been that nobody really has it all figured out. (laughs) And it's so easy to (laughs) look over at other people's paper. Like you're taking a test in high school and you're like, Ooh, what are they doing? But then even when I'm in, let's say an author zoom where it's 20 authors and we're talking about how to market a book, we're still all throwing spaghetti at the wall. Even the ones who have makeup bestsellers. Yes. There are very strategic things that they did. Yes. They worked really hard to build their platform and there is always luck and serendipity still involved in, in hitting it or the market changes and the ways that we be successful, it changes, it evolves. And so I think I used to kind of beat myself up a little bit of just, oh, they know what they're doing and I don't, or like, I'm about, I don't have a, one of my gremlins is I don't have a business. I have a hobby because I don't take it too seriously or I don't overly obsess about metrics and things like that. And, um, or even I don't, I, I will sacrifice money and revenue for the sake of my joy and my time. So that's why that little gremlin's like, oh, that's not a business. That's a hobby. Like a true business would figure out how to like consistently earn X amount of money and blah, blah, blah. Um, but now I realize, oh, I'm just doing it backwards of the best practices. I have the lifestyle I want. I have the time. I have the joy. I love what I'm doing. And great. Now I'm going to fill in the money blanks as I shift away from certain income streams. It's all good, but there's n- there is no one way. And there is even the people who look like they have it all figured out are always still doing a little bit of guesswork. I love that. Thank you so much for the truth bombs. For anybody uh, listening, if you've liked today's podcast episode as much as I have, please leave a review. Jenny, for anybody who wants to learn more about you and free time, what's the best way to get in contact with you or your team, I should say? You can search for free time with Jenny Blake, wherever you're listening to this episode. And you can also visit itsfreetime.com slash toolkit will take you to a bunch of free resources about a lot of the topics we've talked about. So that might be a good place to dive in. And of course, get the book if you don't already have it. Grab the book. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jenny. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Just really thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you, Kylie. Thanks for having me. And big thanks to everybody who's here listening. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, 
subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.